What's going on, traders and investors? Are you guys ready for another day? GM in the news, the dash for trash, the roaring kitty is back. Find out what's going on in that situation. We'll talk a little bit, of course, about Charlie Munger. We'll get into all the earning stocks today. We got like six or seven that we got to run through. And of course, we'll talk about tonight's earning. We'll even get into some Cybertruck conversation. You guys smash the like. It's pre-market prep. There's a lot to talk about. So let's get right to the action. And you guys out there, hit the like. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, traders, let's get it started. Let's go ahead. Let's bring on the charts here. And let's go ahead and let's bring on Dennis. A little different since we don't have Joel. We can do a little rundown, but of course, you guys see it. What a rip yesterday, of course, and continuing to move this morning. Um, and of course, the cloud stocks like Dennis put on the radar not doing too bad either. We'll get into all that action. Definitely smash the like. Let us know if there's any earnings that stand out to you guys' chat. We'll make sure that we cover them. Let's take a look. Also, the queues continuing the rip now towards 392.64. What a big move yesterday. Uh, if we take a look at oil, oil is getting a little bit of a bounce. I'm glad I'm out of that trade. We'll see what happens with OPEC Plus, of course. That's going to come in on Thursday, tomorrow, um, and we'll see. They could very much do some production cuts. That'd be interesting. We'll find out what happens there. Gold and silver have been hot, so keep your eyes on that. That's interesting to see those kind of riding higher. We can talk about Bitcoin, but let's get right back to the markets. What did yeah. you see in the markets yesterday, Dennis? A big rip, and a lot of this probably coming off that Fed conversation. Yeah, and we can get into that too. I think we should talk to Burke right off the hop with Charlie Munger here. I know he had a nice graphic there. I don't know if you've showed it already. Yes. Here, but yeah, let's let's get into let, that let, here. Let's, let's you, know, you know give credit where credit is due yeah. to one of the most fabulous investors of all time. Charlie Munger passed away yesterday um, at the age of ninety nine. I mean, how could you be you know do more in your life than he has done? So, you know, I'm a huge Berkshire Hathaway fan, huge fan of Warren Buffett. Charlie probably doesn't get enough credit because he was a lot of the brains here as well. Um, we lost great investor yesterday. So rest in peace, Charlie Munger. I have uh, some quotes here I wanted to read, right? Buffett yeah. wrote in 2015, from my perspective, though, Charles, uh, most Charlie's most important architecture feat was the design of today's Berkshire. The blueprint that he gave me was simple. He said, forget what you know about buying fair businesses at wonderful prices. Instead, buy wonderful businesses at fair prices. That's and that's exactly all, what he did in like Apple, right? I yeah. mean, at that point when they got into Apple, it was more let's buy this wonderful business at a fair price. Yeah. And I mean, Coca-Cola was the same thing. You yeah. know, like all of his great investments here, Mitch, same thing. 
I think that's just a fabulous quote. And it's something that I, you know, should write down myself in my investing portfolio. Cause a lot of times I think, oh, stocks, you know, looking real cheap. And I'm a contrarian investor at heart. But sometimes it's just about buying those great businesses at a price that isn't crazy. So I always talk about, you know, uh, reasonable valuation is how I say, you know, buying good companies at reasonable valuations is kind of the same quote. But, you know, this is just a great quote. So we'll read it again. Forget what you know about buying fair businesses at wonderful prices said by wonderful businesses at fair prices. That's just fantastic. Fantastic. And definitely rest in peace. All the chat giving a lot of love. And he would have turned 100 on New Year's Day. So really? A he part of me made it. Wow. says that we got to celebrate also on that day, right? Even yeah. though he didn't wow. hit the 100, I'm going to keep that yeah. in tune. I'm going to put it on the calendar so that we can also celebrate that day. Uh, I'll bring different kind of investments. It, it, it's seriously... Uh, a story about a man that really pushed uh, and helped Warren Buffett get to the fame that he got to, right? He's not as rich as Warren, but definitely in the in the mindset and what he brought to Warren Buffett, I, yeah. I think he's just as rich, man. So definitely uh, something to remember. But I let's mean, get back to- if we lives like Charlie Munger did, you're doing pretty darn good. He hated crypto though. He was, no, he was very vocal on crypto. <laughs> he absolutely hated crypto. Not, yeah. It's not a crypto show, though, so uh, rest in peace, Charlie. Um, let's move on to the story of the day here, Mitch, before we get into like what's happened with the Fed talk. Just the individual story is going to yeah. be General Motors. General Motors, obviously, the company ticked off that their stock is sitting near lows. They did something today, and this is why I say like technicals matter until they don't. When you have fundamental yeah. news come yeah, out, man. it moves price no matter what. So you can say GM's a laggard. You can say it's an underperformer. You can say all these things are true. But man, they are coming out here right now and saying, screw it. We're doing a huge buyback because we think our stock price is cheap. Yeah. And GM initiating $10 billion in buyback, boosting dividends, and reestating the 23 guidance after the UAW strikes, of course. Uh, GM plans to increase its quarterly dividend next year by 33% to 12%, uh, 12 cents per share and initiating that accelerated buyback. Um, and the 23 guidance uh, includes an estimated $1.1 billion in earnings before interest and tax or EBITDA adjustments. Um, and of course, this was roughly impacted by six weeks of labor strikes from the UAW. But nice little pop here. And yeah. um, I, I wonder, you know, if Ford gets a little bit of some love on this, right? You it is. Climbing. Yeah, Ford is up. Not as much as GM. GM trading up 8%. Ford's done nothing here, up 3%. But, I mean, it's a vote of confidence, right? You know, when you start yeah. doing that buyback, and it is the way that Apple has propelled their price to the way it is. We know buybacks do drive share price by bringing down those outstanding shares. And that, in turn, brings up your EPS because there's less shares outstanding. I mean, it was a good year for GM. We know it was a good year for GM. So they're sitting on some cash and they're putting that cash to work. I still challenge whether next year is going to be a good year for GM. Obviously, we're not into next year. And I've been talking. And I want to be very clear. I spelled it out for the chat and actually wrote it out yesterday. Bullish into the end of the year. January is where I think it starts to get sketchy. So I think you got a few weeks here where there could be a rally in some of this stuff. Again, this could have some tax loss selling. But you got some squeezes going on here, too, where a lot of people are really hating on these companies. Um, it's not surprising it's getting a big pop on this news. 
Yeah, and um, it's it's definitely interesting to see this come out, right? It wasn't an expected headline, and that's how it goes sometimes. That's why it's so hard to be a bear. Let's just be honest. I mean, when you're a bear, anytime these companies come out with some unexpected comments, it can easily be a squeeze right back on you. Mitch, it's hard to be a bear in all markets, even bear markets, because even when you're in bear markets, they hate you for being bearish because majority of markets. But what we've said before is, I mean, you get the eternal bulls. The markets drift up over time. It is the reason that I never short stocks in my long-term portfolio. So I'm a trader. I have to be, you know, I have to trade both ways or I wouldn't be able to make my living every year. I would blow out my accounts if I was only long only when I'm trading, day trading in 2001 and stocks are only going straight down or 2008 and stocks are only going straight down or 2020 and stocks are only going straight down. As a trader, I have to be able to trade the short side. But as an investor, I never invest in the short side. And the reason for that is the markets do drift up over time. The economy grows. I mean, does it have to happen, you know, every year we go up? No. You know, Japan's been 30 years since they've hit, you know. So there is pockets and there's been pockets in the U.S. markets where we've had over 10 years periods where, you know, 1968 to 1980, we had no returns. So, I mean, there is these pockets where this does happen. But overall, if you're just, you know, always calling for the end of the world, you're going to miss out on a lot of profits and the end of the world probably isn't coming in your lifetime. Let's get back to the conversation, of course, of what moved the markets yesterday with, of course, Waller um, and usually viewed as a little bit hawk, right? I mean, he's viewed as a hawk here coming in here with some dovish comments talking about how if inflation can stay on the trend that we're on, he could see even a cut in spring. I mean, that's that's kind of definitely something that i don't think anybody was considering and the markets reacting to that yesterday of course with a nice pop and there was some conflicting comments from the fed right a little bit later uh you got some kind of hawkish comments but i don't think that stopped this rally um that really sparked the day um we got a nice little spike right. there yesterday in the queues yep. and then from that moment it just felt like everyone was going to buy the dip i even was like man there's no point in not buying the dip with comments like that yeah, like, I mean, this is what's been holding this market back. And we've been talking about the TLT and the TLT continues to rise here. And you can't be bearish stocks with the TLT going up. I mean, eventually it will decouple and TLT will not will not dictate the path for stocks. But that is not the case. Bonds are dictating this. We had the Ackman bottom back in October. Bonds blasted off the first day of November and we haven't looked back on stocks. So, I mean, that is what is driving the bus. It's still rates. It's still bonds. TLT up at 92 here now. Forget about the 84 and 85. Forget about people coming on. Oh, rates are going at 13%. That was the absolute bottom when Rick Santelli came on CNBC and talked about rates going to 13% because of the technical setup. That was the stupidest comment I've heard from CNBC in a long time. And they gave it so much and wanted press. What day was that? We should find out what day that was because it's got to be right. It was in October. <laughs> And it's probably yeah. right near the bottom of the TLT. So they could call it the Rick Santelli bottom too because that was the dumbest call ever. But I yeah. mean, rates going to 13% was never going to happen. It's never going to happen because one, the US can't afford it to happen um, because of the, obviously $34 trillion in debt or whatever the hell it is. Now I can't even keep track of it. But it's all the people that have all the debt too. Rates are never going that high. It's why I was locking in long-term rates here for the last month. I've been buying those longer-term GICs with my thing. 5.72% for three years. I mean, holy crap, that's a high rate. So, so here you know, that's is the cash Dennis. portion of my portfolio. 
When was that it? circle? It was October 3rd. Um, oh, so, so it was a little So it did go down after that, too. So it wasn't yeah. the record sand tally. So we got to still call it the Ackman bottom. But man, yeah, I mean, he got that it. was got what it. was spooking right. people. They're like, oh my gosh, we're not priced for this. The bonds kept going lower. Everybody was talking. Oh, the technicals look like 13% interest rates. Come on. You know, it's just got to use some common sense sometimes. So anyways, rates have been straight up. Ackman, it's still the Ackman bottom. He said, I've covered my bond shorts. That tweet was the very day that bonds bottomed. And I mean, we've looked up ever since. And does this continue? If rates, if TLT continues to rise here, the IWM mm-hmm. is going to start to take note. And maybe it's about not thinking about chasing those tech stocks at this point in time. Maybe it's about starting to think about those laggards. So one reason I'm a little concerned is just the tax loss selling that could come in. But the IWM, look at this chart, yeah. Mitch. We're in consolidation station here. I'm long a lot of IWM in my long-term portfolio. I feel like there's better value there. Um, you know, and if rates eventually start to turn around, like look at the consolidation here. Yeah. I mean, we have a cup and handle going. We are trying it's to break up resolve to the upside. Get above 180, that high from a week and a half ago. And IWM starts to look healthy here again. So, I mean, we are starting to look a little bit healthier on everything. Yeah. And, and of course, uh, it's going to help the whole market right now. We were talking about it being the top stocks that were moving the market up. But as we continue higher, that's where we should see market breadth kind of get better. Right. And see the the kind of different stocks maybe make the move, even like we're seeing today. Right. And yesterday, the dash for trash is even coming yes. in, Dennis. And yeah. that leads to that conversation, right? GME, what a monster rip. Man, yeah. I'm not going to play, Dennis. Uh, when I saw this rip on GME, I was like, man, should I just should I just go scalping AMC off of this? Because I know how the algos are going to be and the retail traders are going to be. They're yeah. like, GME's moving. Oh, yeah. I'll get AMC. And it was funny because someone came in our chat, Dennis, and was like, Roaring Kitty is moving GME today. Is and he I was like, doing his show again? Question to the chat. Like, I don't follow Roaring Kitty. Um, and I don't follow any kitties, yeah. but I don't follow the Roaring ones here <laughs> either. I know he's the one that started this whole GME rally back three years ago. He started this whole thing with his yeah. YouTube channel. Is he out there pumping this again? I don't know. Is that why it moved yesterday? GME? That's what the word is on the street. You guys in the chat probably know a little bit more about this. Let's I tried to you guys like look for him on there. Twitter. I don't think he's on Twitter. So is it? A, yeah, he. Yeah, because Roy, well, the kid. We had the the meme ETF also out there, right? And this actually getting some movement lately. What do you what do you hear well, about the meme ETF? Well, I'm That's hearing. So, so I had a I had a Reuters reporter call me yesterday. I did not know this, but apparently Roundhill MEME is shutting down. And I gave commentary to that and saying, you know, these stocks have just been killed and a lot of retail investors have been killed and they're not coming back. They're coming back for a day or two, though. I mean, you know, they can (laughs) get these pops. So I guess, you know, maybe call this a turnaround here off the meme delisting because they're getting rid of this ETF, you know, on the same day that they announce they're getting rid of this, you know, all these meme stocks start to take off. But I mean, we've got to respect, you know, if the Roaring Kitty is back, it can give a little bit of oomph to this. It's a huge move for GME and AMC does follow. It's not getting much of a move here yet, but I wouldn't want to be short these things right now. So I'd be careful if you're short any of these meme stocks here right now because they do follow each other. But, you know, it seems like they get a day or two and then they just start leaking again. So it's hard to just get on the bandwagon and say, yeah, this is the meme stock rally. We're going from 15 to 30 here and we're going to blast off to 50 and 100 and 200. We're all going to get our money back. I don't think that is happening. I think you get a couple of days where these move. But if the Roaring Kitty is indeed back, 
that can move the stock. Yeah, this is why I say at some point, and we talk about this all the time, at some point stocks that are easy, easily to short, like you think it's a nice, easy short story. These are the dangers in those stories, right? Like shorting GME at 13 or even 14, how much more do you have in return? Maybe the stock goes to zero. You have that full 13. But they have this violent moves up. Violent these, moves up, right? Yeah. They, they leak. So the way these stocks seem to trade is they, they death spiral. They slow, steady death by a thousand cuts. But yep. then they have these violent rallies in here. And these violent rallies, what they do is two things. They shake out the shorts and they sucker in more longs. And I mean, here, you know, you're getting the same type of a thing. Now, I don't know, like, again, you know, I'm not shorting this thing. I've, I've, I'm scared to short GME. I don't think I've shorted GME in a long time. I just get scared to short these stocks. And I was actually looking last night on IBKR. I can't even get a locate on this. So maybe that's the issue, that maybe the borrow is tough on this, because I couldn't even get a locate on this GME here last night. Um, so in some cases, you know, some of these stocks are becoming hard to borrow again here, too. But, you know, there is some life here in some of these stocks, at least for a day. GME pop and AMC was showing a little bit of life yesterday and a little bit of life this morning. Carvana uh, showing a little bit of life. I was trading that a little <laughs> bit here um, overnight because it was moving yeah. here. Um, you know, all these stocks. So, you know, again, we go to that list. We talk about a high short interest dot com. We go to that list every once in a while. And every, you know, every it seems like every couple months, this list gets a little pop for a day or two. And then it starts to leak here again. So, you know, keep an eye on these stocks. I wouldn't want to be short these stocks right now. Definitely. Let's keep moving. Of course, I will keep watching these also for day trade activities. I'm not going to invest in any of these, but hey, day trade is a day trade, right? I, I'm with, risk. Yeah. I'll, I'll trade these know things from the long side. And I have, like I said, I was trading Carvana a little bit from the long side. It was a good overnight trade just because of GME, but I, I, I won't invest in these things. I'm not going to put these things in my long-term portfolio and forget about it and think, you know, these things are going to take over the whole world. It's just not the case. I mean, AMC is 99% off the highs and GME is like 90% off the highs. So if you're long-term investing on these things, most long-term investors are down some serious money in the stuff. Like, I mean, serious. Yeah. So yeah, that's the whole these are not investments. They're trading vehicles. Yeah. And, and I think that's very important to distinguish, team. Let's go yeah. to JBL, of course, disaster story of the day. Uh, Apple supplier updating Q1 revenues here at $8.3 billion to $8.4 billion versus an $8.74 billion estimate. Big hit here, Dennis. Do you think this could continue to leak? My gosh. The algos hit this to 105 on the number. What are they I actually doing? have lower. I have 104.50s. 10450. 104.50. Like, what are the algos? They are so dumb, man. There are so many news algos that are just absolutely stupid. Just dumb algos. I mean, we're in this rip-roaring bull market right now, which we definitely are in the last few weeks. And you're going to hit a stock down 25 bucks that's owned by – and get back the entire games for the last two months and think it's not going to – dip's not going to get bought. That dip was scooped up so fast. It was down under 110 for it felt like a minute. And they started lifting offers and lifting offers and lifting offers. And they brought it all the way back up to 122, 123. And that feels more fair value. They did lower guidance. The stock should be down. But knocking 25 points <laughs> off a Jable circuit, this isn't like some, you know, this is a, a pretty, you know, big company here that's been around for a very long time. This isn't some speculative startup. So that was a ridiculous sell-off. And congratulations to anybody who bought that dip on Jable circuit yesterday because it was down there so fast. I thought about buying it. And by the time I even, you know, I noticed, I was like, oh, what's happening? You know, boom, Jable's getting killed. And then you're like looking at the news and you're trying to digest it. And by the time I even, you know, 
had it digested. I was like, oh, it's lowered guidance. I'm like, but it doesn't look that bad. By the time I even thought it doesn't look that bad, the stock was already up 112, 113. It was literally down there for like a minute, it felt like. So Jable will, was moving Apple down. It was moving other stocks down. But again, they all shrug it off here. So I'd like I'd like to go ahead and say, oh, well, yeah, maybe Apple supplier is going to be down because they are, you know, supply some parts to Apple. It's not the case here. I mean, this market is just buying dips regardless in anything tech. And Jable Circuits dip got bought too. I mean, Zscaler, same story yesterday. Reports disappointing. You know, their earnings were actually pretty good. But they hit the stock down like 180, 179 after hours. Stock turns around, closes up, making new highs. So, I mean, dips are just getting continued to get bought in tech stocks. Yeah, that uh, Zscaler also a perfect example. That's a that's a nice looking move there. I know that Jay was all over that. So Spinner, I'll give you the daps for that. I always like to catch those moments in the chat. And team, don't forget, you guys can always talk about the positions that you guys are looking at, how you guys are looking at it. We'll give you guys some love. Of course, we catch those comments in the chat all the time. Let's move towards the next stock here. Of course, uh, let's go to our earning plays. We're going to run through these guys like always. We'll try to put some together. Let's get to the first one. We're going to really get into, of course, kind of the cloud stocks here also into it. Uh, Q1 adjusted EPS 247 beats the 198 estimate. Revenues at 2.978 billion beat the 2.878 billion estimate. They reiterated guidance here. Revenues at 15.89 to 16.1 versus a 16.02 billion estimate and declared a 90 cent dividend nice little pop kind of a little bit of a shake yeah. on the first kind of reaction and then you guys can see it now starting to really kind of hold this 570s i'd be looking for kind of 570 pullback that's kind of just also off of the daily you can see kind of resistance here so that pullback into that level as long as it starts holding 570s now this selection does look good for maybe a little bit of a push here towards could it get to 600? Trades maybe? down again for it felt like a split second. Got down to what, Mitch? Yeah. 550, right around 551. So it would have been down. 551, exactly. And again, the same thing. The underneath demand is propping stocks up. Underneath demand from people who are short. Underneath demand from people who aren't positioned long enough. Underneath demand from the biggest people's money managers who are underinvested. And they are scooping up tech stocks on dips relentlessly. Zscaler into it. I mean, CrowdStrike, which we can go to right now, CRWD, the same yeah. story. Dips, it felt like for a split second. Um, down $5 on the earnings. Bring up CrowdStrike. We might as well cover all these. Yeah. It's the same might story well. happening with all these stocks. Even though the companies are fundamentally different, it's the same story happening here. Tech stocks are getting scooped up on dips. And now they're starting to scoop up everything on dips again. Yeah, Beat and beat on this. Estimates and guidance higher. And that's just... What you're seeing right now, especially in this space, um, the cybersecurity space um, has been just hot. Man. Uh, we could see it with Pan W and even uh, look at that first reaction again, man. I'm, these I'm algos. Mitch. Where did it who's, go to? Who's writing these algos, man? This is They're, they, they're just burning cash. I don't know. 202. I saw 207. I didn't even see the $200. It was so fast I didn't even see it. 202, man. So it was down 12 bucks. Now it's 218. Just throwing money away. If you're a hammer, if you've got an algo and you've got a <laughs> hammering on, on, you know, and especially on some of these that are beating, like, I mean, I don't even know what they're thinking on Z scale. I mean, that stock beat yeah, rates. Man. I mean, yeah, you got a beat good raise. Report. Yeah, the reports are good and you're still hammering them. I mean, this is not 
We're October. This is November. The markets have turned. We have violently turned to the upside. The underneath demand is ex- is exponential, it feels like right now. Like there's so mm-hmm. much underneath demand. These, these dips are getting scooped up so fast. Yeah. Pretty quick one there, and uh, we'll keep going with Workday next. But uh, it's it's interesting no dip to, to be see had that. Workday. I tell you, <laughs> is this well, maybe like... there was? If I if there was a dip, I didn't see it because this thing just blasts look, off right from look, the report. It oh, dipped there to two thirty one twenty seven, and they're all so you lose on all of them. You lose, lose on, on all. Of them. It's it's almost like Dennis is someone making an algo out there on Chat GPT, man. Because some... uh, if you maybe, are, yeah, it's no. probably not doing well. <laughs> Whatever it is, maybe it's just somebody that's disgruntled workers, and they're like, you know, losing their fun money on purpose. That's a joke. But I mean, holy, these are bad trades. Like man, that's just yeah. bad trading. Right now, you've got to understand the environment that we're in, and it may change tomorrow. You know, maybe it changes next week. I think it changes in the middle of January, but it's not changing right now. And right now, dips are getting bought until further notice. That's 100% here. Workday beat on EPS also and beat on revenues and sees Q4 subscription revenue at $6.598 billion, adjusted operating margins to 23.8. Um, the daily on this thing really came back. I mean, when you think about it overall for the year, this stock is up like 67 percent not a bad move there if you're able to get workday um and this looks great now i think it, you can look for maybe pullbacks into this high this is 252.72 but you're at 258 right so at this point if it comes down to there maybe you find some buy the dippers coming in at, the, at that range but at this point i think you got to look for the highs to see if this just continues to run 261.54 is what i have as the high right now Let's go to NetApp. I know I know we don't talk about this often, but hey, it's just to show Did you guys have the dip reaction. Too? No, no, dip. no, no. This dip. one, this no one, dip. no dip. Just a rip. Uh, just a rip here higher and uh, really good numbers here also. 158 beating the 139 estimates. Sales also beating uh, guidance higher. Uh, this is this is what you guys want to see. And so one thing that we can clearly see is that in the cloud space, they're doing pretty well, right? I mean, overall, cloud is not struggling at one bit. Um, I did get tech, some tech is doing well here, Mitch. To chips, to yeah. cloud, to you, you know, you, you got to give it tech. to the to overall to the it's tech. It's just right? tech. How, I mean, where are we on all time high watch here on the queues? We're still ways <laughs> off because we got back there in twenty twenty one. Oh yeah, yeah. four oh eight. So we're still sixteen points away. Can we do it? Can we get there by the end of the year? All time highs for the Qs? I think it's possible. I think it's definitely possible. I don't. I yeah. don't think it's possible for the spy, but is it possible for the Qs? Without a doubt, another good day, and who knows? Maybe we can get to four hundred or close to four hundred. Once we get there, it's kind of like a magnet for that level, right? I think you will maybe see some people, uh, probably selling some as it gets there, but it depends on what time, right? What time of the year? Um, we'll find out what happens there. And yesterday was that day for the last day to kind of get those sellings of those smaller names, right? Those losses, right? Get them off off your books. Um, so we saw kind of some smaller names maybe taking a hit. But I think at this point, man, it, it, it's very hard to be bearish this market. Uh, it's a seasonality too. 
We yeah. set up well. December is historically a strong month for stocks, especially the tech stocks. I mean, again, we might see some tax law selling coming in, some of the beaten down IWM names. But in the tech stocks here, it's like green light. It feels like green light go, just on dips. And again, I'm not buying rips. And people come in, you know, and they're like, I got to buy, you know, stocks here. And they're, and they're doing it backwards where they're using the opportunities and where the rips are going. We do get dips. We've had multiple days, even the last few days. I mean, it's been a pretty... Pretty wicked rally, though. And I mean, you just have so many shorts caught. And you have so many people underinvested still caught. We keep saying the same thing on this show because this is what we do. We identify something that is yeah. working and then we pound it into our listeners because that's, you know, what it's all about is like figuring out what is working. What is working right now exceptionally well is buying the dip. Rip yeah. selling not working that well here because some stuff just continues here. So you're either buying dips or selling rips. October, we're selling reps. November, we're buying dips. Tonight, Dennis, we got snow, and look at that move already. Uh, oh, oh, did someone mention snow a little earlier this week? Um, yeah. I think I somebody think might have. I think they did. <laughs> and then Okta also coming through. This is one that hasn't gotten so much love, right? Look at the daily chart. Okta Compared had some to... news today, too, Mitch. Um, there was uh, a headline. Bring up the Okta chart. I think it got hit earlier. So I feel like Okta. Yeah, it yeah, did. It, it did. did. It was down at like four fifty nine. So there had to have been something probably. No, they had guidance. There. So they came mm. out with guidance here earlier this morning. Here, I'm just looking at it right now. So forty four cents. But did they were they supposed to report? No, they no. This They're is... supposed to report tonight. So they dropped this early. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. They were supposed to report tonight. They dropped a surprise it. Surprise report, guys. They um, did. You don't see this often. Yeah, they, they they were supposed to report tonight, and they Look dropped it early at 7.15, which takes a lot of traders by surprise. So give us those numbers here, Mitch. Give us that guidance, and let's do some analysis. Yeah, the guidance for Q4 sees revenue 5.85 to 5.87 versus a 5.80 estimate. So that's okay. Uh, not too bad there, right? Adjusted EPS, 50 cents, 51 versus a 35-cent estimate. That's pretty good. That's pretty good there. Then when you look at their fiscal year 24 revenues, 2.24. Oh, my gosh, GDP. The 2.24. Yeah, we're getting a hit right now, 8.30. There we go. Let's go see what happens here as we get some numbers to come in. Wide. Sorry about that, guys. I the hard part Thank of you, doing chat. A, a little Thank bit you, of, of mix there. I'll tell you what it is here. 5.2% versus a 4.9% estimate. So above estimates, that should help. I, I mean, that should help, if anything, the market continue to rally here, uh, at least from what I see there. Uh, we get retail inventories also excluding autos here at negative 0.9 versus negative 0.4 prior. I'm taking a look to see the retail that comes in in a second here. But GDP, 5.2% versus 4.9%. And really, I mean, I don't think we're seeing much reaction off of the number here. Let's go to the five minute. You got a little bit of a dip and that got bought. It seems like we're right back towards the highs and continuing. Um, this is how they do it. A lot of the times they can go sideways, 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 but we were talking about it. The spy was bending, but not breaking. And there you go with a couple of comments from the fed, a decent report here from some numbers. Well, now it looks like we're continuing on that push to the upside. Not a bad move here. Um, let me go ahead and give you the guys the GDP here. Nothing like producing, hosting, and doing it all live for you guys right here. All right, here's GDP here. I'll just put it on the screen, but yeah, man, throw it up there. That, that's not going to hurt. <laughs> 5.2, I mean... The, the yeah, resiliency so it's good in news, this market. Good news now, though. I look at this and say, oh, economy's still hot. So what does that mean? So... 
I mean, or is good news just good news and soft landing is here? Like they're trying to say the soft That's what I think it numbers. is. That's what I would go with, Dennis, because the real thing is I don't think anybody really expects to see another raise of interest rates. I don't think there's going to be a lot. I think we're in this market, though, right now where good news is good news and bad news is good news. I think we're in this market right now, the Goldilocks scenario, exact opposite to what it was in October. I mean, just they've just spun this thing right around here. So yeah. good news, good news, bad news. Good news, because that means the Fed's not going to raise. So that's what we are right now. Market is just green light go. Back to Okta, green maybe, Mitch, because we started talking about it. Yeah. Let's show the Let's chart, because this it. got hit. Look at the hit. Yeah. The same story. How far did we get down? 64.26. Oh, what are people doing? What are the algos doing? I mean, like, what are they reading? $64, the low. So the low of the whole move was 65. So they traded down to the low of the recent move. That's a that's a, they traded Okta down to yeah the the nine month low the October low here. So and people are just like oh thank you very much. I have another stock that I can add to my portfolio and they scooped it right up. So I think dips get bought in this stock too. And I don't think the guidance was that bad. So yeah, that's what it didn't look that me, bad Dennis. to me. Like where in the report because we know how the algos would work right. It's just reading the yeah. report really quickly. Where in that report is the negative? I don't yeah. see it. I don't know what they're... They must think it's just not good enough. But let's be honest, Okta has, stock hasn't been that good either. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. this has been a massive underperformer. Low this ball. guidance is okay. So I didn't get by it. Like, I don't know now, I trade 64 and it's up at 71. So it's six, seven, six points off the low from the move. But, you know, it's probably supported yesterday's low of 70. So yeah. I, I don't think I'd be selling it. Yeah, no, it's something that I'll actually be watching to see if we can get back through that 73.50. So you had a couple spikes there, and you can see from the last couple days of action how it goes up to that level and turns around. Let's see if we can get some buyers to step up through that 73.50 today. And yeah, that could start driving the stock. You guys can see that pullback action right now. I'd look for pullbacks maybe red to green off of 70. At least it looks like to me stands out we'll see what happens there's other stocks reporting tonight too you get crm uh salesforce and look how that is doing i mean what a move in salesforce well, crm's at, moving at off a of work day so yeah. wday crm trades off a of work day obviously that company you know i think half the management came from salesforce.com so workday having a day so crm's gonna have a day here too i mean i still kind of like crm um yeah. again now you're getting up to the highs though the move so it's like now i want to pull back i don't want to chase things you know at least from a long-term investing standpoint but you know what bull's still in control that's one thousand percent and then here's some retailers that i wanted to mention that are interesting that we'll report tonight also and then we'll go to our guest that's coming up next guys smash the like i'm trying to keep things going here today and if you guys appreciate it let us know by hitting that like button Here's five below. What do you think about this setting up? And then I'll bring up one stock that is probably forgotten that has had an amazing run, especially lately. Um, that's coming up next. You guys in the chat, take a guess on that one. But what do you think about five below, Dennis? Well, five below reports tonight. So it's tough to do a technical on anything that's going to report here tonight. Like you said, Snow is going to report here tonight too. Bar set a little bit higher for Snow. 
Dollar Tree did report here this morning, so we should talk that yeah. in the context of five we below. Um, remember, I talked about Dollar Tree liking it down near a hundred bucks. Never quite got there. Got down to one hundred two, and has slowly climbed up. I just think you know value has just got there with the dollar store stocks. They've just been beat up so badly. It's Dollar General actually. It wasn't Dollar Tree. It's Dollar General that I liked, um, and it was one hundred one, and it's up to one twenty seven here now. Um, never quite got to the hundred though. I talked about buying at a hundred, and never quite got there. Um, but I think the dollar stores were just so beat up. But this five below has been given a pass, and it's come all the way back. I mean, expectations are higher here now. You're not even far on five below from all-time highs. So I don't really get why the $5 dollar store gets a pass, but the Dollar Tree and the Dollar General don't. So I'm not a fan of five below. Not a fan at all. I think, you know, I think, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just not a fan. Yeah, and it, I mean, it, let's just be honest, not the best products there either. I mean... Well, it's five dollars. This isn't about products. This is just about what do you get at the dollar store? It's all junk at the dollar store. I mean, it really is. It's knickknack, paddywhack, give the dog a bone. I mean, it's like a five dollar dollar store. If you're buying something for five bucks, you ain't getting much. You know, some of these toys they buy, like you go in there, you know, kids go in there. It's one time use only. They play with it for 20 minutes and it breaks. They throw it in the garbage. I mean, that's how this stuff works. You're buying junk at these stores. So, Five dollar dollar store, a dollar dollar store. You know they're fun to take your kid into. You get a toy for five bucks, and they have some fun. But you know, I I'm not a fan of investing in five below. Yeah, miss on the EPS here. Miss on the sales for Dollar Tree. So uh, not the best here. Uh, let's do one last one here. I just wanted to give a little bit of a preview. Victoria's Secret will report tonight, and this has been one that I've been watching since it broke eighteen, thing? and this has had an actual pretty wow. decent. Run. Uh, for the holidays right um and not a bad move there in bsco and I, I like the pattern that it's on it's just continuing to like stair step even when it does a little bit of an expansion move it just kind of stair steps and then gets goes higher so not a bad stock if you guys have been playing this one victoria's secret reporting tonight Santa Claus bringing Mrs. Claus some lingerie, it looks like, for Christmas here. And not um, coal, at least, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it's been a big run. It's been a good run. I think, you know, is there room to 30 bucks? Maybe I'm looking longer term here. But I think overall, this stock is still at a massive downtrend. I think overall, I, uh, there's issues here like crazy. I think overall, you're using rallies to lighten up stocks like this in your long-term portfolio. We got a good month maybe for stock still ahead, but I don't think this is the kind of stock that I want to own. All right. Let's talk about the consumer and the resiliency coming up right now, guys. We're going to get to our guests. You guys out there, smash the like. We got Sean Emery in the back. Let's get to it. John Emery, founder, CIO, Avery and Company. How we doing? It's good to see you, Sean. Let's put you right back. Snap in the Look at that. Swapping around. Let's get to the action. Let's talk about this consumer that just doesn't stop. What are you seeing out there, Sean? Yeah, I think uh, the last week and and change, right? First off, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. But during Thanksgiving, I think everyone was buying stuff. Um, And, you know, it just further illustrates you know, that people continue to spend. Obviously people can criticize where the spend's coming from. Um, and I think that's the conclusion, right? Whether it was Black Friday or Cyber Monday or the whole week and we get an extra yeah. couple of days and length of time of, of holiday shopping this year. So, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting one where the consumer is the one that everyone's looking to crack and, 
and yet we're seeing the farthest thing from it. But Sean, this is just, and I've said this a few times in the last year, I mean, the, the, the mentality of everyone has changed since the pandemic. It was always safe for a rainy day to a, a lot of people were safe for a rainy day. There was always spenders out there, but there's a lot of people that were like safe for a rainy day. You know, the pandemic happened. They realized, you know, like, you know, in some cases, like we just get shut down. Maybe life is more fragile than we thought about it. And it's like this YOLO mentality, live for today. Don't worry about <laughs> tomorrow. And that's what this is driving this economy is the YOLO. People aren't worried if they've exhausted all their savings. People will borrow more to live a better life. And I mean, it's hard to break that mentality, and the Bears really need to break that mentality to let that to make that happen. I do think 2024 could get a little tighter for financing for some people, but I tell you right now, consumers been unbelievably resilient. Just talk about you know that mentality, maybe like you know maybe people just are going to spend more than they were three years ago just because of what we went through. Yeah, like we're in the the Instagram economy, right? Where you know people have to show what they're doing. Um, Twenty four seven. Right, that too. And that's a big cohort of, of the population that, you know, you're consistently doing stuff. You have the change in work habits where, you know, people are a little bit more of nomads as opposed to, you know, uh, you know traditional seasonality in terms of travel. Um, you have means of buying things. You know, everyone's used to buying things online now. I think COVID definitely accelerated that fact. And, you know, no longer can you not buy a car online, right? Um, and that was, you know, something that was hard to crack down, you know, five, seven years ago. Yeah. It's interesting though, you know, as you look at the consumer, you know, you see things like savings rates and then, but then you hear some of the banks like Bank of America talking about how, you know, deposits are still, you know, anywhere from two to five X, depending on the cohort uh, uh, pre COVID, right? So there's deposits in the accounts that are still exist and then real wages, right? And I think that's what possibly is getting lost in some of this is, if the real inflation numbers, meaning, you know, if it's lagged, if it's truly lagged and wages are much more real time, then in theory, we, we continue to see an expanding wage growth here in real terms uh, over the last six to 12 months. And that's ultimately as well what's probably making that plus jobs is making the consumer a little bit more, um, I guess, eager to spend on, on some of these, you know, Black Friday, Cyber Mondays. And earnings seasons, of course, almost done. And of course, everyone was also negative going into the earnings, but they really weren't that bad here. Um, and it just seems like we're just chugging along. What did you see in the earnings? Yeah, you know, we're pretty much done. Obviously, it's it's pretty uh, you know late in the in the in the period where we got the work days and the octas and some others here. That's more you know infrastructure tech, you know back office, <laughs> less around the consumer. But it's. Um, you know, if you break down the earnings themselves and try to ask yourself, you know, how, what's the health of the U.S. economy, right? And, you know, earnings this season were roughly, you know, 4.3%. Uh, but if you break down the companies that report that had over 50% of their revenues in the U.S. versus those that had 50% more, you know, internationally, uh, what you saw was, you know, that first cohort of, of those that have more exposure to the U.S., earnings grew at 8.9%. And then the ones that had more exposure internationally, uh, declined 4%. And that just further illustrates, you know, some of the, the economic data that we're seeing out there from, you know, the GDPs of the world, where the US domestic economy just continues to perform fairly well. So those with more exposure have actually performed well. So again, underneath the surface, if you're just like thinking about the US, like the earnings summary is, is was pretty uh, uh, constructive on, on, on the US.
And of course, we can go into different outlooks here. Um, let's talk about smaller companies. And uh, we've been focusing on that also with kind of like the IWM. Um, what do you feel about the smaller companies going forward and maybe let them go into likes the tech. <laughs> yeah, yeah, consumer tech, small. Um, I think that's honestly where some of the, the, the opportunities exist. Rates rise, right? The, the whole question quickly, the playbook turns to, you know, small companies get hit, you know, they're, they're not going to be able to afford to refinance or something. Um, and, you know, some of that playbook is true. Like there's truth to all that. Um, but I also think, you know, there's plenty of winners out there that are, are that are fundamentally leaders in their categories uh, that, you know, swing a, swing just as large as some of, you know, the mega caps in their respective, you know, niches um, have pristine balance sheets and happen to be smaller and are kind of getting forgotten when you have this kind of, um, you know, magnificent seven uh, concentration that has taken place. And what that's led to is, you know, I think a lot of opportunities out there uh, across some of the stuff we own, even things that are, you know, outside of our uh, portfolio today, where generally speaking, it's around the consumer. People have been questioning these same questions we've had today around the consumer. When is it going to crack and who's going to get hit? Let's just stay away from those. You know, who's smaller in scale? So therefore, when, you know, this refinance wall comes to to, to breast that they're not necessarily going to be able to refi at the same levels. Um, and then small, just cause you know, uh, in general, like small caps tend to perform poorly. Uh, and then they have some more exposure to more cyclicality. So for us, we think there's plenty of companies out there within those categories. That's where we we're fishing in more so than, you know, the mega caps and things like that, that have performed well, even though we own, you know, uh, one or two of those, the mega caps. So what, what are the, a couple of those names, if you don't mind, Sean, yeah, interesting ones for us. Um, arguably the most, I think, um, interesting one, at, at, like heading into like 2024 is, is Fiverr. You know, they're that leader in that freelance ecosystem. Freelance, payroll, if you look at all the payroll providers, they've gotten smoked, right? Um, yeah. And you look at, you know, one, they're based in Israel. So that, that didn't uh, bode well here over the last, you know, month. Um, a month ago or two months ago, whenever now the, the time period was. And then before that, uh, you had the AI uh, threat uh, when when yeah. GPT and, and ChatGPT and some of the other players, you know, rolled out some of their their products. You know, that ultimately hit a little bit uh, this category, not only them, but also beyond them with uh, companies like uh, Upwork. But anyways, you know, you look at a company like that trading at, you know, low teens multiples, continuing to grow. They comped against 80% growth a year ago. Um, their average spend per buyer continues to rise. Um, pristine balance sheet, you know, things that the, some of the characteristics that I was just mentioning before. So that's one, you know, a company like Zoom, you know, I've actually come on here and, and talked about Zoom and it's yes, kind of just treaded water the last, you know, six to 12 months. But ultimately, I think the company is continuing to, you know, perform in a, in a way where there was a lot of pull forward, obviously during COVID. Uh, margins continue to stay really, really strong. Six billion dollars of cash, no debt. Uh, you know, one of the better product teams out there, uh, and trades at a you know ten multiple in terms of free cash flow. So you know that's like where kind of excites us, where it's kind of gotten gotten forgotten. Um, and all it needs to do is show you know some form of growth beyond you know three to five percent. Um, and we think that's possible here in the next you know year and a half, two years. Um, Zillow's of the world that's more cyclical so rates dropping anyways that's kind of like the the linchpin there though is the is the rate right and you look at yeah. TLT you, you pull up that chart yeah. and you know we're, we're sitting here at a pretty interesting level where we think uh, you know if you back out 
um, you can essentially see that, you know, we're, we're at those, what is it like? Yeah. That's like 2022 around there, I yeah. believe. Um, yeah, the October if we can lows. break above that, you know, I think, you know, again, what we've seen in the, in the rates market here in the last month, I think we see more of that, but it's, you know, it's, it's all predicated on money flowing into it at this stage. So. Yeah, definitely interesting. Uh, there is one stock that was in your notes that I think is also interesting, especially with AI, because I've been always wondering, and I've been talking about this on the show also, is where does the actual revenue come from AI? Because I see a lot of products, right? But is it really driving to the bottom line? This company right here, I feel like it definitely is in Wix uh, with kind of website de uh, design and things like that. And Let's say if you're building a website and you, you, you don't know what to put in the about me section, well, you go and you talk to Chad GPT and they'll help you write that, right? Things like that, I think, are definitely something that I'd be looking for. And Wix.com definitely bringing in some AI features. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, full disclosure, we're owners of Wix. But yeah, that's that's one where it's, it's obvious, right? Design is a real yeah. obvious uh, form of, you know, AI help. They've been in the AI game for quite some time. Um, they had Wix ADI, Artificial Design Intelligence, that was launched in 2016. Um, mm. And so they've been at the forefront of this, and now they're incorporating some of the new models. Um, so that's very, you know, very direct. You have someone like Duolingo, which, you know, as of last quarter end, we we're investors in it. Um, and, you know, they've opened up Duolingo Max, which is more of a language, conversational, you know, learn language. That's number two. And then, you know, I think the real thing, what you're seeing is someone like a Zoom, right? Where they put AI companion, uh, their AI summaries is arguably the best one out there, way better than many of the others from the ones that we've, uh, you know, played with. And I think ultimately what it improves is retention. Number one, it keeps you locked into a, a product, num number one. And then number two, from a free to paid. So I think you want to look at the cohorts, whether it's like the boxes and drop boxes and Zooms. These companies that have large in install base, but have a huge free tier and all of a sudden AI, you know, you get the product at a monthly fee, but you also get an AI embedded. I think that's ultimately where you get the uplift in terms of uh, conversion. So conversion plus churn, those are pretty good metrics for software companies uh, longer term. And I think that's ultimately where you see it, but it's not a direct, you know, product purchase. Uh, it's more embedded in, in a solution and that's ultimately where we think a lot of it's going to happen. Embedded AI. All right, John, guys, I'm just, guys. I'm looking at your list ahead, before we, before. Oh, sorry, yeah. we're both asking. Questions. You're good. I, you're good, Dennis. I was just looking at your list and like trying to look, and you kind of do a little bit of value. You, like you're a little bit of a value guy too, are you not, Sean? Where you're looking at you know these companies that can grow with a reasonable value, like Wix.com, 21 PE. Not not crazy, you know. Not like you know we're paying 50, 60, 100 times earnings for this. I mean, um, you know, am I getting you right? Like you kind of look at, you know, a potential for some growth at a reasonable valuation. That's kind of my style too. Definitely, definitely. Rest in peace, uh, Charlie Munger. Um, and, you know, just generally, I mean, that's how we've always played the game in terms of uh, making sure that, you know, we don't have to look 30 years out, that we can look, you know, three to seven and yeah. feel comfortable that, you know, our margin of safety is embedded in the valuation and, you know, Zoom doesn't have to grow, you know, 45% year over year for us to, you know, make money uh, in a decently competitive, you know, area. So I think you nailed it on the head. Uh, value is, a, you know, at the core of what we do. But we, we think we're using, we're looking at more forward-looking industry um, to do that. Um, and ultimately, you know, 
some quasi plug, but it's our, our concept is investing where the world is headed. Um, and that's ultimately, you know, the driving force, but value is just value. There's no, uh, way around it. Well, if you guys want to check out more of this research, I'm throwing up here the link so you guys can check out, uh, of course, Sean Emery's website and check out a lot more on there because I think there's some really good research there that you guys might find. I myself am even looking through it. I found myself this morning going through the growth, innovation. Uh, you got a lot of a lot of information there. Check out the research tab, especially uh, podcast on there. If you guys want to find more of Sean, always good to have you, Sean. And where else can they kind of keep up with you? Are, are you very active on Twitter? Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely active on Twitter, LinkedIn, you know, obviously, you know, the name here, but you know, uh, what is it? Underscore Sean David is my <laughs> handle on Twitter. There you go. Um, All you right. can find it there and, and uh, yeah, chat along. Founder, CIO, Avery Company. Always good to have you, Sean. Thank you for coming on. Talk some tech with us. And the resilient consumer. I mean, can't be broken. It seems like it. Can't be broken. It's the U.S. consumer, right. man. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> All right, guys. Have, have a, a good, good one, man. Take care. All right, let's get back to the markets. Of course, the chat is catching that move in the TLT. Shout yeah. out to you guys, chat. Um, yeah, and yeah, talk, we, we hit that October low, too. I think that's an important level that Sean just brought up also. Just to bring that level up too. Um, that was right around the 9230s. Uh, you can be precise if you want to, but yeah, definitely at least retracing off that number. Um, we didn't break through there. And so that's something definitely to take a look at. Spy also pulling back a little bit. I mean, was it that they didn't like the GDP or was it is just a kind of a pause? No, in it, it's kind of obvious that they would hit the TLT on a little bit because the bond traders don't care about a soft landing. The bond traders just simply do not want higher rates. So when you see okay. GDP going a little bit, a little bit hot, bond TLT probably gets hit on that. You know, equities are like, well, we want the soft landing. So equities are torn. But you know, TLT probably gets hit a little bit. And we and we're still up on the day. So it's not like they're hammering it on it. But we were trading up, you know, around 92, 20, 92, exactly. 30 in the number. So we've given back about 50 cents, which is a somewhat significant move for the TLT. I mean, this isn't like this move around five bucks a day. So you have 50, 60 cent sell-off. It's it's notable for sure. So and I think the market has leaked there a little bit too because of that. TLT is still leading. You can see it clearly. TLT leading, leading the market. Let's go to Foot Locker now. This is the last one that we really got to touch here. Um, reported this morning, Q3 adjusted EPS 30 cents beats the 25 cent estimate. Sales of 1.99 billion beat the 1.97 billion estimate. Comparable stores sales decreased 8%, driven by ongoing consumer softness and changing vendor mix. Um, of course, we've talked about that with different brands not giving the shoes that Footlocker wants in their store. That's, the, I think, that changing vendor mix uh, situation. A 3% negative impact from repositioning of Champ Sports. Uh, they expect fiscal year 23 sales to be down 8 to 8.5%. They opened 22 new stores that were remodeled and relocated 36 stores. Wonder if that relocation had anything to do with, you know, shoplifting and things that we've been seeing. Uh, they closed 14 stores in Q3. What do you think about the Foot Locker story here? I think that we got to think about what Charlie Munger just said on Charlie Munger Day here. What was the quote here again? Bring it yeah, up for me. Let's go Mitch. back to it. And, bring bring uh, up that quote one more is. time. Forget what you know about buying fair businesses at wonderful prices, which is maybe what some people are thinking about Foot Locker. Said by wonderful businesses at fair prices. 
sales declining next year is not a wonderful business, not even close. And is it a fair price for this business? I don't know if I even care. I'll tell you right now, from a logic standpoint, Foot Locker is a sell. So this is my opinion. It can squeeze farther. Nothing goes straight down. We know that. But if you, I've been bearish Foot Locker for a very long time. If you listen to the show, over 40, 35, 40, 45, when it was going up in 2022, 23, stayed bearish. I'm going to stay bearish Foot Locker. This is not a fair business at a wonderful price. I think it's a poor business at not even a great price. I absolutely hate the stock. Um, what would you like more in the footwear space? Is it Nike? Is it Crocs? I like Crocs. I said it yesterday. Crocs. I like Crocs. Yeah. And you know yeah. what? We were talking Crocs was 98, 103 already. I like Crocs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd stick there. Um, Nike, Nike are usually safe and long-term. Nike figures it out. So, but we had a pretty good run in some of these stocks. So you got to be careful. You know, you want to get pullbacks. You want to get dips to buy here now. I don't like chasing things, but Foot Locker, if you're coming in and buying it now, oh my gosh, this is so backwards. And I think you're actually buying a really bad company. Really interesting there. Let's go to one more that I wanted to talk about. And full disclosure, I do have a long on this position. And that is the Tesla move from yesterday was looking for a reversal back to the upside on the dailies. And this ripped yesterday. I think a lot of this, what just buy the rumor, sell the news kind of thing, cyber truck event coming tomorrow. Uh, and that's going to be at noon in the middle of the day, which I think is important. Why? I think Elon wanted to push the stock. I'm going to say it like that because normally these events come after hours, come late in the evening. And for it to be in noon, I think that was designed by somebody. I don't know if it was Elon. Oh, he, that we know he's a pumper. There's no doubt Elon is a pumper. <laughs> we know he's a pumper. So, But I mean, this, has got, this is the reason the stock is rallying the last few days. They're pumped for the Cybertruck. It's, it's going up here. Um, I, I, I laughed out loud at the one tweet. So Elon Musk, and I got to go find it. If you find it in my profile, I retweeted it actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, go down like I, five I tweets and show it. But So Elon Musk tweets out, Cybertruck delivery start on Thursday. And I don't know if you guys follow that Greg guy. It's like Greg uh, at 16676. I, I could not He's, follow he him. He has Dennis. so many followers. Bring up the tweet. Can you bring it up and just show yeah, it? Yeah, I'm going to bring it up right now. I got you. I got you. I, I, I almost... Like I, I laughed out loud. It was Jedi Marcus, you know, a great follow on Twitter that brought it up and I retweeted him. But I'm like, <laughs> he just says the dumbest things. And it's so funny sometimes. Sometimes they're really dumb and you don't laugh. But sometimes it just says something. It's just, it just strikes you as it's just hilarious. So, so it's simple. So he tweets out, Elon Musk, Cybertruck delivery start on Thursday. And Greg tweets, source question mark. I just laughed out loud when reading that. Obviously, Elon Musk is the source. It's him. <laughs> but but this that guy, man, if you don't follow him on Twitter, if you want to laugh, he's just a, a troll, while, man. He's a troll. He's always, well, he's trolling, but he's funny too. Like, look how many followers. Click on that profile, that Greg profile. Uh, I won't be able to click on the picture. Then. Oh, sorry. I, I I'll, I'll, well, I'll click on yeah, it. Yeah, he, he, he like, has like 247,000. I don't even know how the heck you get it, but you know, he's verified here. He's 740,000 followers. I don't know if those are all real, but holy mackerel, there's a lot of people yeah, that follow I, that guy. I'm not one of those. He, he but are you one of those, crap. Dennis? You follow him? It, it, yeah, man. It's funny. I follow funny things. I like to laugh. You know, life hey. is about, you know, enjoyment. Laughing is a big part of enjoying life. You know, I love to laugh. That great guy. Again, Half the tweets are just dumb and you're not going to laugh, but they, you get like one one every couple of days and you're like, just laugh out loud. It's just ridiculous. Guys it are ridiculous. Is. 
He's a funny guy, and uh, Ridiculous. He, he does some really good memes also. So if you guys want to check that out, go ahead and and uh, give him a nice little follow. I can't do that guy on the show sometime. Shout out to you guys out there. You I guys don't even enjoy know if we know who he is. He's like, a, you know, I think this is not his account. I think it's just, you know, like, uh, you know, it's probably, uh, yeah, I don't think that's his there. picture probably, but let's go funny. back to the markets here. Um, we're finally going sideways a little bit here on the spy. What do you think will be driving the bus today, Dennis? It's, um, I mean, we already had our, our nice little lift yesterday. Can we continue? Do you think that we could continue today? What will be driving? Yeah. The bus? Yeah, I mean, you got to be careful chasing here to a certain extent. Like, I like Derek's comments yesterday, obviously from T3. Mm -hmm. He's looking for a healthy pullback to buy, and we can see dips are getting bought. It's hard to buy rips, though, because we are overbought and we are overextended, and you can get hurt here. So it's hard to chase here, but on individual stocks, you get the dips like Okta, boom. You know, you get the dips like Jable Circuit doing down 25 bucks. It's a no-brainer if you can get a piece of it, but it was really quick. Now down 10, I don't know, because it was already down 25. But I think we're just buying, you know, tech stocks on dips. I think the market continues to do that. So if you get some disappointments, and I'm sure there'll be a couple here tonight, we got CRM reporting, and we got, uh, just looking at the tech ones, Nutanix, Okta, Snow, Okta already reported, actually, uh, obviously because of, um, um, they reported earlier, we already talked that. So I think it is going with the trend. Dips continue to get bought. And just to put a, a bow on that Tesla, I just want to go back because chat was trying to make some comments there. I, I'm looking to sell this into the rip probably even today. I would love to see just nice little, little bit more, maybe 255, 260s, but I'm not going to hold it more than that, guys. If I can get a little bit more, I'll sell the rip. And I'm not looking to be in the stock while the event happens. My idea is always maybe play it to the event and get the hell out before I get burnt. Uh, I, I love know. being long stocks ahead of events. I mean, this is one of the core strategies that have made me money for the last 20 years of my trading is being long stocks ahead of an earnings event, ahead of a Cybertruck, long Apple ahead of an event. Being long stocks ahead of events just has alpha there all over it. Now, again, I don't usually hold through the events unless I really got a feeling. Yeah. So, you know, what time is the Cybertruck event? What time Noon. are we talking? Noon. Yeah. But it was predictable the Tesla would be hot here today. Why does this work? Why does this strategy work? The main reason is that you got CNBC talking about it. You got the buzz going yep. on social media talking about it. And that elevates stocks in the short term. It's like, oh, I want to get in that. You know, it, it creates short-term demand. So, I mean, just being long stocks ahead of reports. I mean, if you didn't do any other strategies, like if you did nothing, you just buy stocks, just start a fund that just actually here, I'm just giving out an ETF here. Buy an ETF, start a fund that just literally owns stocks, every single stock ahead of the reports. And I bet you, you outperform the S&P. Yeah. I bet you outperform it, the S&P with that strategy. Just Leading literally. Catalyst. And it never Leading takes catalyst a ca catalyst event-driven fund. Like, you know, we're creating one here right I now. Like Guaranteed, it. somebody's I like listening, it. somebody's going to create it. I give these million-dollar ideas no out worries. there. Send it to us. That that yeah. that sounds like a, a good one for Matthew. Uh, Maybe yeah. Matt, oh yeah, Matthew's list. Matthew's gonna take it. For sure. Matthew's like, okay, thank you, Dennis. We're good friends with Matthew. Yeah, <laughs> he's good. <laughs> well, but, but we did. Uh, well, we did kind of pitch him some of that Jim Cramer stuff. That one didn't work out that well because he had to delist the one. So Dang. I mean, we well we talked about you know not that you know it was us that gave him that idea, but we've talked about that short Jim, long Jim. Um, and, you know, a lot a lot of interest there. But an event driven ETF. Not talking about like 
you know, you're, you, a lot of people are going to be doing this. I think it's more for like, you know, just in, in you know, like a closed end fund, like trying to outperform the market. Like ETFs are designed just to like take the performance of these companies. So I don't think it's so much of an ETF as opposed to like a hedge fund strategy where you're long stocks that are going to report ahead of the catalyst and you're just short market against it to minimize the market risk. I mean, I think I run that. I kind of run that in my my day trading portfolio. I don't know how much of that, but I bet you it's like 10 to 15, maybe 20% of my overall strategies, which, you know, seem to be profitable, you know, every month. So I'm very, I'm very consistent on my day trading, not consistent in my long-term portfolio, but very consistent on my trading. I think there's this, I think the strategy works. Well, it does work. I don't think it works. I know it works. Now, one last one thing before you get out of here, Dennis, uh, we were talking about this on Start Swing Trade yesterday. Some people had mixed opinions. So I wanted to ask you today as we wrap up the show, when when you're looking at trading, right, of course, uh, dollar amounts matter. But what is your focus a lot of the times? Is it more the dollar amount and you're looking at your unrealized and realized profits? Or do you try to focus more on a percentage basis? Um, when I was prop, I couldn't focus on a percentage basis. The numbers made no sense because I wasn't trading with my own money. I was trading with bright trading money. So, mm -hmm. you know, if I have an account, you know, and just, you know, hypothetical example, I'm not going to say, yeah. if you had an account with a hundred grand in it, but you're using millions of dollars worth of buying power, you know, and, and you made like 300 grand, I make 200% of my money that year because I was using millions of dollars of buying power. So it was kind of disingenuous to say, oh yeah, I'm making three, 400% on my money every year because I'm not really using my money. So as a prop trader, you can't really talk in percentages. Now I'm, I'm trading with my own company, with my own money on my own. I can talk in percentages and I tweet out those percentages every month. Since I moved from Bright Trading to Triple D Trading, which is my own company, and I'm and, yeah. and obviously you know it's it's me trading. Um, since I've done that, I've tweeted out my percentages every month, and I'm not like I'm not lighting up like 100, 200, 500 percent. And it's not about that. It's about base hits. But I did well last year. I think my overall return last year was over 100 percent on my trading yeah. account, which was I, I really good. Important. This year has been slower. I think I'm up 42 percent this year. I'd have to go look in my in my day trading overnight account. But 42 percent still a pretty dang good year too. I'm actually struggling to keep it. It's funny. Because I started with a pretty good chunk of money. My efficiency is dropping here a little bit, though. It's like, you know, like as a certain point, it's like, you know, I'm comfortable trading the certain size, Mitch. And yeah. then as you get a little bit bigger, you get a little more uncomfortable. So I'm actually not utilizing as much of my money as I was last year. Like in a lot of cases, I'm not like a, a lot of times I was margined out like last year because mm -hmm. I started with a certain amount. But because I grew my account 100% last year. Now I'm trading with twice as much money and, and, you know, way more margin that in a lot of cases when the market's slower, I'm not like some days I'm margined out, but a lot of days I'm not into the margin as much as I was before. And it's actually affecting my efficiency a little bit. So it's like, oh, you're trading crappy this year, 42%, you know, up and you were up 100% last year. It's not, nah, it's efficiency and it's comfort. It's like I've yeah. traded this size for, for 20 years at this size. It's hard to just step up your size, you know, like all of a sudden you, I'm going to double my size because I doubled my account. Well, yeah. you know, to continue doing that, you have to continue to double your size. If you're doing long-term investing, you know, it's easy to do that. Oh, I'll just take twice as big of a position. But when you're doing like different stuff, like you try to get into, you know, I'm trading earnings, I'm trading all kinds of different things. It's not that simple to just double your size. And it's a comfort thing for me too. So I'm just not comfortable at, you know, once I get up to a certain size trade, like, I mean, everybody as a trader, you probably realize this. I know we're over time here, so we'll, we'll quit this conversation in a second, but I think it's an important one. You know, yeah, trade where you're comfortable, because if you start trading bigger, 
you start making more mistakes because you're uncomfortable. So, you know, you can slowly bring up your size, but it's hard to just double your size. It's hard to do that. After 20 years of trading this size, it's hard to just double my size. So that's where I struggle with probably the most. I, I think 1000%, man. And I think this is a more important conversation than most even recognize, right? Because truly, you'll see it in the profitable traders. They're always focused on this, right? It's the risk preservation, right? Capital preservation, risk above all. And as the investors get bigger and bigger and the day traders get bigger and bigger, the number one I see is not more risk, not bigger percentage. Just keep adding up those base hits. You see Dennis always trying to add up those base hits. It's base and hit for me. I'm never going for a 100% gainer on a trade. I'm, pe I'm pecking away like, you know, yeah. a fraction of a percent here, a couple percent here, you know, fractions of a percent, my account's going up, but it's fairly consistent. So it's not like, you know, like if you looked at my account, it just kind of slow and steady wins the race. I'm the turtle trader. You know, people have called me that before. I'm not coming in here and giving you like, and going and oh, I'm making 200% on this and 150% on this. And no, nah, I'm making a little bit here, a little bit there. Slow and steady wins the race when you're doing this as a business. Yep. I definitely think that's important, guys. I wanted to end with that. Like always, it's great to have you, Dennis. Go do what you do best. Everyone's loving your shirt, by the way. They're they're all loving that in the chat. Oh, Bundy. Bundy. Yeah, they know Four it. They know it, baby. One game. <laughs> that's exactly what they're pointing at. Of course, keep up with Triple D Trader. Of course, you guys see his tag right there on Twitter. If you're not following him already, you're definitely missing out. Thank you, Dennis. Go do what you do best, my friend. Go get to your trading action, and Same we'll match. keep it going. All right, guys, like always, uh, all this information is for educational purposes only, not to be used as investment advice and opinions do not represent those of Benzinga. Hosts and guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed. As I was talking about earlier, I do have that position on Tesla. Took a lot of it off. Yesterday, it had all the way up to 90 shares. Uh, let's find out what I'm able to get into on Tesla today. Will I keep it? Will I sell it? Find out on live trading. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere, team. We always got a lot more for you right here on Benzinga, of course.